At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family... Look for delicious Kroger brand products because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. This is the Pittsburgh CityCast with Tim Benz, presented by Bet Rivers. Well, what a bad night that was, and I'm sure not just for me. I am Tim Benz. This is the Pittsburgh CityCast, brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the app today or go to BetRivers.com. Bet Rivers Online Sportsbook is serving up some big wins with our new weekly profit boosts on all tennis wagers. Visit BetRivers.com or download the Bet Rivers Sportsbook app every Wednesday to receive a 20% profit boost on any tennis wager. And now you can even stream your favorite tennis players right from the Bet Rivers app. Heat up your summer with Bet Rivers Sportsbook app. It's a whole new game presented by Rivers Casino Pittsburgh. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Maybe I should start gambling on tennis because baseball sure did bite me on the backside yesterday. First of all, the Pirates lost. I had them beating Chicago. It's not often I put money on the Pirates, but I did yesterday. JT Brubaker didn't disappoint, but the Pirates' bats and gloves did. More on them later. But it's the other games that really let me down. Max Free gives up nine hits and three earned runs and a loss to the Phillies for the Braves. That ruined a three-team parlay for me early, so I decided to jump back in and parlay the two night games out west together. Astros over the A's, Dodgers over the Nats. That seemed easy enough, but Tony Gonsolin finally loses a game for the Dodgers, and it comes against the awful Nationals. How did that happen? He gives up four earned runs for his first defeat. And just for salt in the wounds, the Astros fall to the A's, too. Two teams separated by 30 games in the standings at the start of the night. And the Astros had won five straight in eight of ten. That was the kind of night I'm talking about. But it didn't stop there. 
The Reds beat the Marlins 11-2. The Rockies shut out the Braves 2-0. The Diamondbacks shut out the Giants 7-0. And this one really hurt. The Tigers beat up on the Padres 12-4. Drew Hutchison started, gave up four runs and four innings, as you could expect. And the Tigers still won by eight. What a day for bad teams rising up. I mean, that's just a day where you chalk it up to saying the baseball and gambling gods were having some fun at your expense and kicking you in the teeth. The only thing I got right was the over in the Astros-A's game, but I only had a little scratch on that, not enough to make good on the evening or anything. As for the Pirates today, they are on the road in Chicago again for an afternoon game. I'm taking the Cubs to hopefully get me back on track. Keegan Thompson has been very good against the Pirates. 15 innings over three appearances against Pittsburgh this season. One earned run allowed in those outings. He's totaled 16 strikeouts and two walks. The Pirates counter with Bryce Wilson in his first game against Chicago back in April. Wilson allowed three earned runs in three innings, walking four and allowing three hits. The Pirates won that game 4-3. He also allowed three earned runs and 10 base runners in five and a third innings of relief en route to a 9-0 defeat at Wrigley on May the 16th. The Cubs are at minus 182. That's a lot, but I still think they win. If you want to get greedy and go with the run line, it's at minus a run and a half for plus 102, so consider that as an option. Also, my guy Shane Money McClanahan pitches for Tampa against the Orioles. Baltimore has been great against the run line spread all year, but I haven't lost a bet on McClanahan yet this year. He's 10-3 with an ERA of 171. The Rays are at minus 210 there. I hate betting against Baltimore. It's actually 200 now. It just went down a little bit. I probably will bet against Baltimore, though. McClanahan, the strikeout total, if you want to play that, minus 112 at over 7.5 if you want it. He's got 147 on the year. McClanahan has been good for me on that front, too, so I'll probably double down on him again. Carlos Rendon is pitching for the Giants. If you like them bouncing back against the D-backs at minus 177, I do. 8-5, 298 ERA, posed by Tyler Gilbert for the Snakes with an ERA of 534. The Dodgers are at minus 245 against the Nats with Mitch White pitching against Josiah Gray. If you want them bouncing back, I do. The Astros, minus 167 to rebound against the A's. Frankie Montaz pitching for Oakland, though, against Luis Garcia. That's a fairly even pitching matchup there. I might leave that one alone. For fun, I'm probably going to play the Mets-Yankees game. Tawan Walker against Jared Montgomery. Give me the Mets in this one. They're minus 108. The Yankees are at minus 10 if you want them. Excuse me, minus 110 if you want them. No value there at all for the Bronx Bombers as far as I'm concerned. If you're hunting on that game, I say go with the Mets. All right, when we come back. We'll switch gears and talk some hockey. It's our final hockey podcast with Brian Metzer of the Pittsburgh Penguins Radio Network. And the Steelers report to training camp today in Latrobe. I've got at least one futures bet on the Steelers that I'm really warming up to. I'll tell you what that is when we come back. This is the Pittsburgh CityCast. Bet River Sportsbook is offering new customers a deposit match up to $250 when you sign up today. In addition to their welcome bonus, BetRivers has daily and ongoing promotions that can provide extra value. Download the BetRivers app or go to BetRivers.com today to sign up. Presented by Rivers Casino Pittsburgh, must be 21, gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. 
Back on the Pittsburgh CityCast, brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the app today or go to BetRivers.com. Training camp on the horizon for the Pittsburgh Steelers. I'm heading out to Latrobe today as players report. The run test is today. First practice is tomorrow for Mike Tomlin and company. I believe Tomlin will speak this evening for the Steelers as things open up. And I was looking for some futures bets on them to mention before camp gets going and before we get to our final hockey podcast with Brian Metzer, the Pittsburgh Penguins Radio Network for the year. Mentioned yesterday that the Steelers are minus 360 to miss the playoffs, plus 280 to make them. Uh, I keep saying there's value there on the Steelers qualifying. And on the other side of the coin, I think there's more logic in them not. Uh, If you're looking for the value, I say bet the plus 280 for them to make it. If you're feeling good about the Steelers not making it, it's going to cost you. It's minus 360. I've got the Steelers out of the playoffs this year. I don't have them out to the tune of minus 360, at least not yet. And part of the reason why, here's what I actually like if you want a Steelers bet more than that. It's the exact finishing position in the AFC North. They're at plus 380 right now to be third. I really like that. You know, I love the Bengals to win it. I think either the Browns or Ravens will be better than the Steelers, but I don't think both will be, you know, especially if it's the Browns without Watson for a significant period of time. And the Steelers finishing fourth right now is minus 155. I I hate that. Uh, You know, we could see Lamar Jackson get hurt and the Ravens stink. We could see Watson not playing for eight games, the Browns getting behind the eight ball to start this year, and the Steelers outlasting them to be third. Uh, I love that bet, Steelers to show, essentially, in the division finishing position. Well, I shouldn't say show. It's not the same kind of bet. Scratch that. But to be the show pony in the AFC North is probably the better way to say it. I've got them at plus 380 to do that. That logic I think is pretty sound where you're going to get the Bengals winning it and then the Ravens and Browns, one better, one worse than the Steelers. I certainly like it more than bidding on the Steelers to be last at minus 155. Uh, The over-under win total as the Steelers start camp today, uh, if you get it at 7.5, it's minus 115 to go over. The Steelers over 7.5, so to win at least 8 Minus 115 uh, to go over 8.5, it's plus 170. Uh, If you're looking for where even money about splits, it's at under 7.5 at minus 106. If you think the Steelers win no more than 7 games, if you think they're going to be really bad, you want to go under 6.5, that pays out at plus 155. I think it's a pretty sure bet that they get at least seven games, but it's expensive to buy at minus 195. All right, uh, let's get to Brian Metzer for the last time this hockey season, and the hockey season's been over for a while, but Metz has been kind enough to stay with us through the postseason since it was such a big postseason for the Penguins. Lots of news, it seemed weekly, lots of speculation as to what they would do with Evgeny Malkin and Chris Letang. We found out they kept them. They kept everybody just about, it seems like. Raquel's coming back. Rust is coming back. Uh, Casey DeSmith is even coming back. You know, it's funny. It was like something around $27.4 million on the salary cap 
last year, and it's $27.3 million for those five guys in the cap this year. I mean, it's literally like $100,000 difference with how they extended the contracts and played out the money to get the cap dollars down to almost the exact same cost as it was a season ago to keep the team together, at least up front and in net and in the front office and with the coaching staff, the big changes on the blue line. We talked to Mets about that with our final Pittsburgh City cast hockey hit with the host of the Pittsburgh Penguins radio network, Brian Metzer, to wrap up 2021-22. Well, Mets, you tell me, have they gotten better? Have they stagnated or have they regressed the Penguins with what they've done this offseason? I think that they are going to be a playoff team, put it that way. As they are built right now, this moment, I think they will be a playoff team. They're probably going to be a little tougher to play against in front of the net with the addition of Jeff Petrie. I think Petrie and Latang give them a player that could be on the ice for upwards of 50 minutes a game because both guys can play 24, 25 minutes a night. So that's kind of interesting to know if we can do it that way or see that play out. But uh, I, I still don't like the bottom six and I'm a little bit concerned about the left side of the defense because right now as it's built, you could potentially have Dumoulin who you're hoping is going to get back to being Dumoulin Pedersen who may not even be here at the start of the season. Cause I know they still need cap space. His name is still floating in the trade rumors. And then if that were to happen, then you're electing to go with POJ and Ty Smith, both two young guys who are very unproven. So the left side could be a little, a little ho-hum. But all that said, I think generally when you look at the lineup, they fleshed it out in such a way that you have a hitter in Archibald, who I'm not thrilled with that acquisition, but he does hit a lot. He's a small guy. If he can bounce back from his COVID issues that he had, he missed almost all of last season. If he can get himself back to being the hitter that he was a couple of years ago for Edmonton, I think that could be a decent addition to the bottom six. And you're hoping Kasperi Kapanen lives up to a three plus million dollar contract now, which was just a mind blower for me that you've used up all that cap space on a guy yeah. that you were so disappointed with. But again, all of that said, if they get the goaltending and they, they, I think there'll be a playoff team. And if they, just even as they sit today, I think they could be competitive in the East. I don't know that they would still compete with the Colorado, Colorado Avalanche as they're built, though. I look at the, where they are at this point, and I see a team that kind of, as you're speaking, might be good enough to cling to the seventh or eighth spot. You know, like the one of the wild card spots, maybe the last rung of the automatic qualifiers in the division. I could see that happening, but I don't see them getting to the same point total that they did this year and if they do get to the playoffs I think it's as much because that gap between the 6th, 7th, 8th team in the East and the ninth, 10th, 11th place team in the East is still very vast I, I think you're right about that the only thing I, I'm concerned with when you, when you talk about the teams that were on the outside looking in a few of them have gotten a little bit better now, uh, namely the Ottawa Senators. They might be able to creep up, even though they're in a very tough division. But when you look at the goal scoring that they've added, uh, I, I, I don't know how they'll be with the rest of their lineup, but they have a very talented offensive roster right now. And that has been proven to win regular season hockey games for you. doesn't always win in the playoffs, but I think that they could accumulate enough points to be right there on the cusp of maybe getting in. Now, when you, when you do look at, the top eight though in the East last year, we had an unprecedented situation too, Tim, all eight teams had 100 points. That doesn't happen very often. So I assume a few of those teams are going to drop off a little bit. A couple of the teams that were really good in the East 
they've changed up their lineups to to a certain extent. So Tampa may come back to the pack just a hair. I know they were uh, they weren't necessarily ahead of the pack in the regular season yeah. last year. They were kind of a, a whole. Then you worry about season. in the playoffs. Yeah, exactly. So they they're probably going to be a back to the pack type of team. The Rangers aren't going to necessarily be what they were. They've got some new faces and the Rangers had a lot of flaws, even though they were good before they made those acquisitions at the deadline and just about everybody that they brought in, they kind of let go. So they don't have Andrew Kopp now. Yeah. Um, he was so valuable to them. Uh, Vitrano left as well. He was very valuable to them. So I think their depth has taken a hit. And so when you just see a couple of those teams, uh, I know I mentioned one from each division, but I, I think across the board, everybody changed just the, just enough that the Penguins core remaining intact, keeping Raquel, keeping uh, uh, Gensel, Sid and Russ together, keeping Gino here, keeping Latang here. I think all of that gives the Penguins a, a team that's maybe not going to do exactly what it did last year, but might not dip back to the pack as much as, as you might be thinking. I think they still might be pretty competitive in the regular season. I don't know what that means once you get into the playoffs though, because they've just continued to disappoint there. But I think in the regular season with their ability to, to maybe score, cause they kept a lot of that intact uh, depth is a concern, but I think they're still a pretty good defensive hockey team. And if they get good goaltending, I think the world could be their regular season oyster. There was a lot of ugh, Petrie is the replacement for Latang. Him and Matheson is your top two defensive players. I don't like that. But now Latang stays and Petrie's the number two, and everybody seems to be thrilled with that. (laughs) There's a little bit of the Tristan Jari thing going on here where, oh, God, I don't know if we can trust Tristan Jari in the playoffs. You know, Tristan Jari being out is the reason they're out in the playoffs. (laughs) This this rationalization that we tend to do. I think when we talked last, Tim, I, I was joking with you about something. I'm like, no matter what they do, will be the right move. Maybe yes. people will convince themselves that's how, that this, it's that's how this fan base operates. Yeah. And, but I will say this, when I first heard all the trades a couple Saturdays ago, I, I was kind of a little bit, okay, what's going on here? The first one comes down the pike. I really liked Ty Smith when he was with the devils. I just, I followed his career a little bit as he came up. Um, he's a, he's a talented offensive player that could be a good two-way guy if he develops the way they anticipate. And this was even just with the Devils. So if he gets the right coaching, which we believe Todd Reardon can do, uh, he could become a very viable player for them. But so when he comes on board for John Marino, they saved a bunch of money and I'm looking at it. Okay, this must be some kind of splash coming up. Well, Jeff Petrie, even though I had heard a rumor or two, as you, as you did, isn't the splash I anticipated. I thought, okay, if they're going to bring in Petrie, another trade would still have to happen, which it still yet may because they still need to open up some cap space and you can't have nine NHL defensemen on your roster going into the regular season. So something is still in the offing here, but all of that said, uh, I just felt like when he came on board at first, I was a little disappointed because if it was three years ago, I would have been thrilled, but he's not young. He's overpaid now maybe for what he brings to the table. But as you look at some of his numbers, he's very capable of playing a lot of minutes. He's got a little bit more snarl in his game. He's big. So I think that when you see a guy like that be available to play in all situations, I think it lessens the load a little bit on Chris Letang. And it also gives you a little bit more of that, that bigger back end that they, they kind of lamented not having. So when I started to, to just 
look at it that way, I liked it better. But I don't like the contract. I don't like the money that came with. And I think that before this is all said and done, that be probably becomes an albatross to them and is something that they're going to be looking to get rid of in a couple of years. Because the bottom could easily drop out of a guy like that. He's played a hard game for a lot of years, and you don't know how it's going to go. But he has up offensive upside, which helps you offset Matheson. So it, it could work out. I'm just concerned about the left because as we went through, Tim, the left side of the D doesn't even stack up at all to the right. I mean, your right defense right now might be among the best in the Eastern Conference, just straight ability of the players, their ability to play big minutes, to chip in offensively. You look at the left behind Dumoulin, it, it's kind of a big question mark, and that could be a problem for them. And Dumoulin's a question mark. Well, yeah, he's as big a question mark as anything on this roster based on the fact that he's just not been himself for, what, two years, essentially. And really, last year, it was even more evident. So hopefully this offseason, he's able to get that lower body in order because Dumoulin without mobility is kind of like a lot of players when they lose their speed or their finesse game. He didn't look the same when he couldn't skate the puck as well as he used to because he always makes a good first pass, but he relied on that mobility more than people think, and it just wasn't there. I think people are starting to realize that they can't have their cake and eat it too with the NHL salary cap in the sense that they wanted to keep everybody. The, the group of Penguin fans that wanted to keep the core got to keep the core, but you can't keep the core and change much at all because of just the way that you're going to borrow from tomorrow to pay for today, which is yep. what they did by extending the contracts out so much. It's just the backwards of what happens in football. You're paying for more down the line as opposed to restructuring a deal for now. That's basically what you're doing in the NHL as opposed to the NFL. And in so doing, you're still locking up a lot of money, more money against the cap so that you can't make improvements to a team that hasn't won a playoff series since 2018. That, that is the, the big question with this group, Tim, because when you, when you look at it, you're right. You, you kept the band together, so to speak, which allowed you to not do much else. I mean, I guess the biggest facelift is getting Raquel, which you only saw a small sample of last year to begin with. So with him being here for a full year, I think that's intriguing to see how it works out. Uh, I still feel like there's room to do something to bring in another forward. I, I, you, you have to find some way to do that because I'm not thrilled with a bottom six in general that fleshes out as Kapanen, uh, Carter with uh, McGinn, and then your, bo your bottom line is probably Bluger with Archibald and um, Paling, who they got in the trade with Montreal. So if Paling could grow, I mean, he's a former first-round pick. If he could grow into that role, maybe it does work out. But, but to your point, I, I don't know that, you could get much better than you were last year, keeping everybody together. Yes, they did it for less money and that helped them. That did open up some cap space. I mean, if you looked at their plan and I think Mark Madden's talked a lot about this with you as well. We have our ideas of what we all anticipated they were going to do. Ron Hextall and company clearly had theirs. He orchestrated what must've been his plan perfectly. He got everybody signed. He fit under the cap, was still able to flesh out a full roster. It may not be exactly what anybody wants just now. And that's why I think another trade is going to happen. But, but generally, I, I'm pretty impressed with the way they juggled the pieces and kept it if that's what they wanted to do. But it's not going to benefit them two and three years from now. The only thing I think might help them is if you get to the last year of Geno, the good news is if he's not Geno at all, even less so than now, and he gets hurt, 
long-term IR can really benefit you. Same with Latang. If he has some catastrophic situation, you can do the long-term IR with him. And then you open up that money and you play that cap game that way, assuming they don't change the rules on any of that. I was just going to say, what if yeah. the rules change between yeah. now and then? Like you're, <laughs> it's sort of like you're banking on a loophole that might be closed. Yep. <laughs> I, I agree. And I worry about it a little bit more with the six-year type deals than I do with a three-year deal or a four-year deal, because I think that through the three-year window, you're probably okay. But if you get to the back end of a deal that's six years long, you may have some problems. You know, I'd love to find out how vocal Crosby was in this whole process in reality. Like I was joking on Twitter after the Malkin contract got done and instantaneously Sid brokering the Geno deal became the new <laughs> TJ Watt going into Art Rooney the second's office and saying, I'm ready to play. Let's get a deal done. You know, it's just the mythology around that. Yeah. <laughs> was just something that kind of made me laugh. You know, oh, of course, Sid made it happen. Sid made it happen. Yes, he did. You know, like the Greg Lloyd speech at halftime against the Browns in 93, you know, Dan Rooney strolling into the draft room and saying, take the quarterback, you know, like these mythological moments in Pittsburgh yep. sports history that we are supposed to believe happened and played out in the exact dramatic way. Like speaking of miracle, like Herb Brooks's speech, you know, like these things in our mind's eye that we've constructed, like they were yep. reality. So did Sid really do that? Did, did Sid take his skate and pound it on the table and say, bring everybody back. I, I don't want to be here in three years. If they're all gone, I won't stay after three years. That doesn't seem like him. You know, he's kind of renowned for making sort of little passive aggressive maneuvers to kind of play GM from a player's position, but I haven't heard him ever do anything like that. Oh, I, I agree. And I think that that's the most odd thing about that is that if he did speak up in such a way, it's the most uncharacteristic thing we've seen from Sid ever because he has never really been that guy. Uh, I know that, you know, he, he's very subtle uh, normally. Now there did seem to be, I mean, we've heard enough about it. Some fear, it sounds like from the new ownership that maybe Sid would want out at the end of his deal or not continue his career at the end of his deal. Uh, and if, if you listen to some people, They've made it sound like he would have asked for a trade sooner, which I, I don't see that happening either. I don't, I'm not sure that he would have done that. But when you hear that enough, it makes you think, well, were they that worried? Was there some undertone? Maybe it wasn't Sid, but maybe it was Pat Brisson or somebody that said, hey, you know, he's going to be pretty unhappy if you, if you let these guys walk. I mean, they were already talking to a bunch of these agents in terms of going into free agency as it was. So they had to know. Uh, I think that we heard through the great find that the agents were talking about what was going on in Pittsburgh leading up anyway. I kept hearing stuff that Alan Walsh was stirring the pot a little bit. Um, people, uh, the agents of Trocheck and some other people were kind of stirring the pot about what the Penguins had in, intended to do. And a lot of those plans that looked like they were etched in stone, Gino's going to leave, Vince Trocheck's going to come to Pittsburgh. Um, some stuff that Elliot Friedman heard about Marc-Andre Fleury and all this other crap. Well, none of it came to pass. They kept the exact same team. And maybe it was as simple as we have to keep the big guy happy because he sells tickets and we need to sell tickets. Because if you notice, there's no more season ticket holder waiting list. Uh, there's commercials for season tickets now. There's partial plans available again now. There's 10 game flex. There's all this kind of stuff. Penguins haven't had to do that kind of thing in many, many moons. And I know COVID played a big role, but I think their fear was, well, without Sidney Crosby, it's a lot tougher to sell tickets. So let's do everything we can do to keep a couple 
couple marquee names here. Keep Sid happy, sell the tickets, be a good regular season team, and let the pieces fall where they may from there and figure it out down the line. But I also think the message there is what's going on right now doesn't sell tickets either. No. And Danny Malkin and Chris Letang don't sell tickets. Well, no, and, and I think that's why it was so – they were so beholden to Sid. They have to keep him happy because people I still think do want to come in and see Sidney Crosby. Now that might not be the case because we have seen that in this town too, Tim, that Pittsburgh just sometimes doesn't appreciate what it has. And it always is kind of looking, it's the meme, you know, where the guy and the girl are walking and the guy's looking back and the girl's giving him the dirty face. And, and they always put like, it would be the equivalent of, so the girl is Sid and the fans are the guy. And then, then they look back and it's like Matthew Kachuk because, <laughs> Nate McKinnon. you know, yeah. Or Nate, because to me, that's, what's funny too, is when you see Twitter, the way people go off the other day, Oh, Matthew Kachuk, get these old guys out of here. We'd rather have him. Matthew Kachuk's not Sidney Crosby. He's not Gino Malkin in his prime either. It's a very good player. Don't get me wrong, but that's long been the case. I remember seeing people here go, we need Patrick Kane. Well, you had your stars. That's one of their stars. He's not going to really ever fit in here. So I think that mentality is um, prevalent to a certain extent, but people still do like Sidney Crosby enough to buy tickets to go and see him. And I think they would want to see the, the final waning years of his career. So that was probably in the ownership's mind of keep Sid happy. Uh, we'll, we'll sell tickets as best we can, but I, I don't think that they're, they're a long ways away from getting back to a long sellout streak again. I'll tell you that much. Brian Metzer, Pittsburgh Penguins Radio Network. Raquel and Rust, how do you see this working out? Did they keep Raquel to play with Sid, and is Rust going to play with Gino? What do you think their hope and intent is there? I think to start, it, it, it will probably end up being what we saw last year where Rust is with Sid, but I think that they were intrigued enough with Raquel's chemistry with Sid and knowing that occasionally Gino is out of the lineup that they like the option of being able to throw him up there. And I wouldn't be surprised if on a given night, if things aren't going well, I don't know that he'll, he'll become the strict all the time Sid winger because Sid does like playing with Rust and Gensel. But that said, again, I, I wouldn't be shocked to see Raquel get there and play with them because it, it was very quickly noticeable that Sid enjoyed playing with him too. You can kind of tell when, when those types of players enjoy a winger that they have, the chemistry is immediate. You can see the body language. You can see the way they go out and and pass the puck. And so I I think they just like the option of being able to flip-flop, but I I think it will still flesh out with Rust, Raquel on the second line with the option of elevating him more often than you normally would have in the past with somebody else in that, in that situation on the right side. The Kappen and Heinen thing to me is one that's intriguing. I wonder if their view, I'm assuming their view is we didn't bother keeping Heinen because we think we got the best possible year we're ever going to get out of Heinen. And we still think there's a better year than what we've ever gotten out of Kapanen. We want that kind of year out of Kapanen. That, that has to be what they're thinking, right? I think so. I mean, when, when you look at it, there's no other way to slice it because if you were just comparing number to number, you got an 18, 18 goal scorer, even though he vanished for periods of time. Uh, and I'm talking about Heinen when I say that, but down the stretch and in the playoffs, I thought he was really good. And uh, Mike Sullivan maybe um, was a, a deciding factor in this, but I felt like he got more out of Heinen than he ever did having those sit downs with Kapanen because he talked about having to work with Heinen and telling him, you know, if you're not going to be scoring, I need you to do other things to benefit the team and help the team win. And suddenly 
he went out and instead of being a physical force or something, he started scoring again and he got through to him and he was going to the net and doing all those little things. Kapanen until very late in the playoffs, you know, he, he was not noticeable throughout the regular season, but to your point, they must believe that there's still more there. He's a former first round draft pick. They must see upside. And if not, they must know that there's some way to move on from that because do you really want to tie yourself to another two year deal with him that's going to pay him over $3 million to get the kind of productivity that you got. I, I think I would have rather tried to find a one-year deal with Heinen for $3 million. Hopefully, hopefully you get 15 or 18 goals again and maybe get a little bit more than you will from Kapanen. But they must see it as this is a young player, upside, lots of skill, lots of speed. And it, it does help their speed because he still is a fast guy, but he's got to go out and do it. He's got to perform. And I haven't seen that from Kasperi Kapanen really in quite a long time. And when he first got here, the first year, you can make a case that, okay, maybe they have something. And at the beginning of that shortened season coming out of the lockout when he was, or not the lockout, that's a Freudian slip. Take that back. We don't want any lockouts, but the, the, the shutdown, when he first came out for that next season, I thought he looked pretty good, but he's never been the same ever again. And, and that's scary. Is Rudy going to be as effective if he's not getting as many minutes as he did when he was with Hedman? Um, I think you probably get an effective player because he doesn't have to play all of those minutes because you don't have Hedman to play with him. And there's some people that think that he needed to play with that kind of partner to be good. Mm -hmm. Like that covered some of his flaws. Now he had some good moments when he played with the Chicago Blackhawks. I mean, he was a regular in their top six for a while before he went to the lightning. So it's possible that playing him in the third pairing role on the right side with one of those youngsters, um, if it's a puck mover and it's somebody that can play a little more offensively and let him just kind of hang back and be a, um, you know, a, a more defensive minded guy that might work okay for you. But I, without having a, a, a big uh, solid number one defenseman to play with him, I don't think him not getting the same minutes is going to be problematic. I think he'll probably fit that role. Okay. Jari get a contract before the season or do they wait? I still think, wait? no, I still think that's going to happen. It's, it's probably in the Penguins best interest, Tim, get it done now. Because if not, say he comes out and puts together another Vesna caliber season, which he was on his way to doing halfway through this past year, uh, maybe he completes the season and gets himself, you know, in the top five in the voting or something like that. Not saying he'll be on the ballot, but if he does that and then gets you out of the first round, I think his contract number's a lot higher next year than it would be if you got it done with him right now. They just better be right then because they have so much money committed for the future. I agree. And goalies move around so much. And it's not like he's, I think he's on the up, but he's not Vasilevsky. He's not no. just Durkin, you know, like with a huge upside, it's going to get way better. I mean, I think he's always going to be good to very good in his best years. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if the Penguins, because they've done what they've done and committed so much money to the future, wait on him. Yeah, and, and I think that's a good point. I, I just feel like they might look at it as, okay, get him locked up to a couple-year deal and buy yourself the window then if it doesn't work in that period of time. Because if they were going to walk away from him, I thought they had the best opportunity to do so after the gaff two years ago. You know, two playoffs ago, you could have just moved on, got yourself a year of flurry or something. And I'm not mm -hmm. saying that was in the offing, but you could have done something like that. They could have done it this year. Yeah, you could have did the same thing. So they Especially with what Fleury signed for. That's what made me think about that. Like, I never bought into it until I saw what Fleury signed for. 
Yeah, and, and he's a starter again. They to, moved to Cam stay Talbot out there as opposed to coming here even. Yeah, and that's what was pretty wild when you saw that he and Billy G must have had a nice nice relationship going from their days winning the cup together. And um, he moved Cam Talbot, and that's actually the best. The quotes with Garen fighting with the agent of Cam yeah. Talbot, I mean, that was great. But uh, but for me, I think that if you if you can get him to a two-year deal or something, I know these guys want to sign a five- and six-year deal as a goaltender. It's just not happening anymore unless you're the true bona fide number one. So maybe they get a couple years and buy themselves time to get to Joel Blomquist or somebody that they maybe believe in in their system uh, a couple years later um, who, who – they do kind of look at some of the young goalies in this system now as – having upside. So maybe it's worth the gamble two year deal, get it, you know, get him for, cause then you're essentially him for three years that buys you the window. If it doesn't work out, you can still then have that young cheap guy come up and almost supplant him when he's still not making a ton of money. Now, right now this season, what are they going to be paying their goalies like $5 million or something like that combined. And that's not too terrible because when you look at it, it's the same kind of thing as a lot of teams are paying one. Yeah. The Penguins are going to have their goaltending 1.8 for DeSmith who they have for next year. Uh, three point. Jari, right? Yeah. And 3.5 for Jari. So 3. when you, 5. when you look at that scenario, maybe, maybe they do do it that way, Tim, let him walk, keep the Smith next year and bring up somebody else uh, on board to be the number one with, with the Smith next year as your, as your backup. But I, I still think that they'll try and get something done with Jari, even if it's a short-term deal. Mets will talk again. During the preseason. Looking forward to it. Against the Columbus Blue Jackets and Johnny Gaudreau. Well, and there's the one day they played, they play them twice in one day. There's a morning and there's like an afternoon and a night game. I don't know what the heck we're going to do with that broadcast wise. I hope they don't want to do both games. (laughs) Yeah. What does the goalie do then? Is like a catcher has to play both or something? Well, it's weird. One is in Pittsburgh and one is up there. So oh, they're going right. to split yeah. the squad, I guess. You know what well, I mean? We'll get ready for Logan Cooley's debut, right? With the Arizona Coyotes for the regular season. Yeah, I think that'll be a pretty fun thing to see. If and, he uh, makes the team, if he, you know, doesn't go to Minnesota, I suppose. Hey, Travis from iHeart uh, passed on the Instagram page of Cooley's cousin. You're talking about the younger one? I think it's a younger cousin. Oh, yes. okay. Yeah, he's supposed to be unbelievable. Yeah, he's all over. The goals that he's scoring uh, are outstanding. Yeah, Travis sent me that Instagram. I'll, I'll drop it to you so you can check him out. Brian Metzer, the Pittsburgh Penguins Radio Network, has been our guest throughout the course of the Penguins season all the way through the offseason. He'll be back with us again next year. We thank him, as always, for joining us. We will continue all of our training camp podcasts with our letters from camp, which will take over moving forward for the foreseeable future here on the podcast page at Breakfast with Ben's. And meanwhile, over on the Bet Rivers Pittsburgh CityCast, We'll work in hockey where trades and news develop. Maybe if the Penguins do swing a big deal, we'll get Mets on at that point in between now and then Mets enjoy concert season. You too, my friend, hopefully we can get together for something here in the near future. I haven't seen you since tool. Well, and besides hockey, but I mean like for a fun outing, I'm yeah, talking. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, we don't want these work get togethers, you know, Brian Metzer, Pittsburgh Penguins radio network. All right. So my thanks to Mets for joining us all year here on the city cast and at trib live as he joined me as well for the Breakfast with Ben's podcast that we do on a weekly basis with Mets. You can get the podcast in both locations. He will be back with us next season to start the NHL campaign. The Pens, plus 300 to win the Metro. The Hurricanes are favored at plus 175. Then it's the Rangers at plus 275. Washington well behind the Pens 
at plus 800. To win the East, it's the Maple Leafs, a slight favorite in front of the Lightning, plus 400 to plus 450. There's some roster movement to shake out with the Lightning before you make any sort of read on that. Hurricanes and Panthers next at plus 500 and plus 550, respectively. Then you get to the Rangers at plus 1,000. Then the Penguins at plus 1,100 in sixth on the odds boards right now in the East to win the Cup. The Pens at plus 2,100 throughout the offseason. They've been between plus 2,000 and plus 2,500. The Avs at plus 425. Then it's the Leafs at plus 900, so a massive gap between Colorado and the next team. And frankly, as I look here, it's one, two, three, four teams right now from the East before you get to the next team from the West, which is the Vegas Golden Knights at plus 1,400. Ugh, I hate that bet. Uh, Edmonton is a more logical choice at plus 1,700 out of the Western Conference as of now. But the Colorado Avalanche, overwhelming favorites to win the Stanley Cup at plus 425. And I understand why. That's a team that's very well constructed, very well built. And frankly, I think they got better in net by acquiring Gregoriev from the Rangers and saying thanks for your service, but goodbye to Darcy Kemper along the way. All right, when we come back uh, on Wednesday, actually make that Thursday, we'll be back for the Pittsburgh CityCast. Uh, we'll talk plenty more about the start of training camp for the Steelers, get you up to date on baseball as well. A couple more this week. Before we wrap up our re-entry, not only into football, but also into gambling at large after a week off. Thanks for staying with us here on the Pittsburgh CityCast, brought to you by BetRivers. Download the app today or go to BetRivers.com.